Welcome to the Pursuit of Learning podcast. I'm your host, Clint Murphy. My goal is for each of us to grow personally, professionally, and financially one conversation at a time. To do that, we will have conversations with subject matter experts across a variety of modalities. My job as your host will be to dig out those golden nuggets of wisdom that will facilitate our growth. Join me on this pursuit. Jeff Lazowitz burns with a mission to inspire writers, artists, filmmakers, musicians, and every other creative human to amp up their creativity, heal their hearts, and shine in the world. This is exactly what we dove into in our conversation. Jeff's book, not effing around the no bullshit guide for getting your creative dreams off the ground join us and just effing start whatever it is that you're looking to do Jeff, welcome to The Pursuit of Learning, and I am looking forward to discussing your book, Not Effing Around. In fact, you start the book off with a bomb, saying there are two ways we can engage with the world, either fucking around or not, and that fucking around tends to be the typical choice that people make. Can you unpack that for us? Yeah, absolutely. So, Not Effing Around is, in my opinion, just sort of tuning into yourself, understanding what your dreams, what your desires are for a powerful and rich life, and then moving towards that on a daily basis. And that does not have to mean the biggest dreams in the world, being a movie star or winning a Nobel Prize or, you know, something like that. It just means being true to yourself and having the courage to step forward and to, you know, move towards that. Effing around is my definition basically for chilling out. Because in the world, we have people perhaps like me who are not effing around maybe too much of the time. Right? But the truth is you need to chill out. You need to completely stop, defocus, do whatever gets you there, which could mean, you know, taking a walk, staring at the TV, cooking food, which you got to do anyway, basically, all those kinds of things. So it's really about the right balance between, you know, moving towards your goals and living your truth and doing that kind of thing, and then chilling out and relaxing. Just so you have, you know, enjoying, although you should be enjoying the not effing around part as well. And then also, you know, there's other things in the world besides your singular or, you know, multiple pursuits. And Jeff, you're you're probably going to enjoy the not effing around more if it's aligning with, as you said, your truth or your passion. One of the questions that a lot of listeners may have is, how do I find that passion? Right. How do you find the passion? Yeah. Well, I believe we all have some kind of passion in us. The problem is a lot of times that gets squashed out of us in childhood, okay? When we are young, we are amazed with the world. You know, our little brains are like looking around and, oh my goodness, this tree is amazing and, you know, this bird and wouldn't it be cool if this thing happened or this and that, right? As we get older, what tends to happen is 
you know, people around us kind of tamp that down, whether intentionally or not. And we start to believe that we that these things are not necessarily valuable and or you can't make money at doing them. Right. Because, you know, when I talk about your dreams, I'm, you know, in some cases, I'm certainly talking about making money or making this your livelihood. But in other cases, not really. So, you know, that kind of depends on on who you are. So how do you find it when you're older? Well, the first thing you got to do is slow down (laughs) and limit your distractions, because really what's going on out there in in this world is you know, all these technologies on your cell phone, the internet, blah, 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 all these things are really literally designed to distract you or more specifically pull attention towards them, right? Social media platform, et cetera, et cetera. When you are distracted, when you, when you are not focused and, and um, really conscious, you are not able to fully or even partially in a lot of cases tap in to your truth. And your truth is what do you love? Who are you really? What is this about? Like, what is your mission statement in life? Unbelievably, this is not, as far as I know, taught to most kids in school or in in families. Like, what is your point for living on this in this world, right? And unless you really know that and are really driven by something that is powerful within yourself, you're never going to be able to pull up the energy that it takes to move towards those things and to find it and to find and or create a rich and fulfilling life. And one of the things that sounded like you were talking about there, and I I believe you talk about it a fair amount in the book is with children, one of the things they have is curiosity, is an unquenchable desire to know more and to ask questions. Is that one of the things that we tend to lose as we become adults is the curiosity in the questioning nature, Jeff? Absolutely. Curiosity is key to growth, both intellectually, socially, emotionally, everything, right? And once again, in our typical you know, school systems and families, we don't really generally get taught how to be creative, right? We have it when we're young and then it gets smushed, right? But really, you know, it's simply asking questions. That's the bottom line of the whole thing. And to do this, you look at a subject or a person or whatever the thing is, and you just, you know, how do I go in deeper to this? What would, what if I knew this, what could take me in further, turn me on more, expand my mind to, you know, another dimension or something, of of whatever the thing is we're talking about. So it, it literally comes down to asking questions and then listening to the answer or learning the answer. Yeah, and Jeff, you write about not only asking the questions and finding the passion, you then talk about, to your point, going deeper and figuring out the why behind the passion. Why is that so important, the why? Very good, great question. So. The why is what drives us, right? It is the intention behind everything. So an example that I use in my coaching and my classes and things is this. You move to a new town. Okay, great. Ouch, my tooth hurts. I got to go to the dentist. 
So you decide that it's time to interview two dentists, both qualified, et cetera, et cetera. So you go to the first one, hey, dentist one, why did you become a dentist? And he says, well, you know, I was always pretty good at chemistry and, you know, I was kind of into biology and my dad was a dentist and I knew I could make a lot of money and I kind of liked how that chair went up and down, you know, when I was a kid. So I became a dentist. You're like, okay, fine. You go to the next person. Why did you become a dentist? And she says, well, you know, when I was a little kid, I was climbing on the jungle gym and I fell down face first on the concrete in a pool of blood and teeth. Terrible accident. All this trauma. Our family dentist, you know, took me through this really difficult time, helped me get my smile back, et cetera, et cetera. And that's why I became a dentist. Okay, so when you hear those two stories, all things being, you know, all else being similar or whatever, yeah, you're going to go for number two. Yeah, you're going with number two. Yeah, absolutely. Great, great example. She cares. Yeah. Right? So that is true for us, for anyone. You don't have to be a dentist to get that story. So, you know, one of the things that we look at in the coaching and in these classes is what in our past has been an emotionally potent experience, either positively or negatively. Okay. And when you can identify those kinds of things, that can help you understand your why. So for instance, you know, when I was a little kid, I had trouble reading, learning to read. And there was this one teacher who, you know, in third grade or something who, you know, really took me aside and helped me read. You know, now I love to read. So guess what? I've become a reading teacher, right? You're following that truth. And it can go in into the negative. Let's just say, you know, I had some, you know, traumatic experience, you know, in the past. Well, let's take that into the future. And how can we work with people who have those kinds of experiences to help them heal, right? That is sort of taking a negative and turning it positive. The first one was taking a positive and keep, <laughs> keeping it positive. So doing a lot of the exploration of your childhood and saying, hey, what was I like? What did I enjoy? What didn't I enjoy? How can that inform me? And then that brings me to the next question is, how do I know when I've found my passion? Beautiful. How do you know? You know, <laughs> because you're lit up right? Mm. You, you feel yeah. it, it, not just in your mind, but in your body and in your heart. Okay. So okay. Americans or people in Western culture or whatever, they love to think that their brains are so great. Okay. And yes, our brains do do plenty of great stuff. They can figure out, you know, all kinds of, all kinds of tasks and, and things like this. But the truth is it's not your only wisdom or consciousness. Your heart is wisdom. And your body is wisdom. You know, if you tune into it, you got to tune into it and listen. You will know things that your brain cannot know. And you'll know them in different ways and in some cases, more powerful ways. So how do you know when you find something that's that you're passionate about? Well, you know, it kind of lights up all the, all the uh, you know, all the parts of you. So an example for this with my own, you know, my own experience is, you know, when I'm not coaching and being creative in other ways, I teach songwriting at a college here near Seattle. Okay, so depending on the semester, I've got different 
numbers of students. Well, about a couple semesters ago, before COVID, I had an enormously large load of students, which is a one-on-one lesson. Okay, so it's not a class. So I drove for an hour and a half to get to this college. I had 12 hours of teaching and then another hour and a half to drive back. So that is a lot of, you know, teaching is not easy. Like you got to focus in and, right? So I was, I was nervous before the semester started. I was astonished when I realized that I was not getting tired. I was getting a little fatigued in the afternoon and that was it. And then my energy would come back because I was so into the work. Let me tell you this, when I finally got home at the end of that day, boom, I was about 10 seconds from the pillow, (laughs) right? But, you know, the example is here to show that like, when you are driven and when you are passionate and when you are aligned with your truth, the energy will just flow because that's what it does. Yeah, and the Jeff, I can, uh, an example of that is I've just recently started this exercise of podcasting, and I love to learn. I love to read. I love to ask questions. And I find sometimes I get off the call with someone, and I text a close friend, and I just say, I am so jacked by having a conversation with someone who wrote the book and learning from them. And so to your point, like from crown to toe, it's just a full body emotional high. It just feels so good. You know, you found something that you love. I don't necessarily get that from my day job as an accountant. Right, right. I do when I'm on a call. I do when I'm at work and I'm helping someone learn and grow personally, professionally, and financially. Otherwise, it's through things like this where you're exercising the creative juice. Excellent. So now we have our passion. You suggest that the person put themselves on the spot and they use other people to hold themselves accountable. And you suggest doing that via declaring our dreams. Can you take the listeners through what you mean by that and why it's so powerful? Sure. So, you know, once you dig in deep and you lose the distractions, maybe you meditate, maybe you walk in the woods, maybe you, you know, travel around, whatever the thing is, and you really get what is true and powerful for you, then it's time to, you know, sort of make a plan. What is this dream? And this dream could be some grand 10-year plan. This could be a dream of, I want to pull this off by the end of the summer. I want to build my chicken coop, you know, by the end of the summer. <laughs> so once we do this, once we know what we want and we, and we are aligned with it for whatever reason and intention, it becomes more powerful when we are accountable to someone. So social scientists have done tons of these, you know, studies on this kind of thing. And basically, if someone else is waiting for you or, or checking in with you to do something, the chance of you doing it is remarkably higher. So, you know, that's kind of like when you go to the office, hey, you know, you're supposed to be there at eight o'clock or nine o'clock or something. You know, if nobody was looking, would you show up? You know, some people would, some people would not. So by declaring your dream or your intentions to someone, it helps to just fuel you with the energy to do the thing, right? So when we do this, when we declare our dreams, you know, if I'm, if I'm declaring my dream to you, Clint, it's very important 
for the person to realize that it is not the other person's problem to bug you. Like say, hey, Clint, can you bug me every day and make sure I'm doing the thing? That is terrible. That's right. Right? right? Because what that does is it externalizes our power. And one of the things we you know, always mm. look at as a life coach is centering your power. When your power is centered in this world in a number of ways, you will you know, move forward with way more efficiency. So what you really want to do with the accountability piece is to say, hey, Clint, every Friday at five o'clock, I am going to text you or every day at five o'clock, I'm going to text you or call you and say, here's what I did or here's what I didn't do. And from there, you'll, you know, then you're kind of waiting for it, but you're not bugging me about it. So then I know, here we go. You know, I'm calling, or I'm texting Clint and, you know, he's kind of waiting for it. It will push things forward for sure. And when you're working with your clients, Jeff, is there, is there a certain frequency that you recommend? So you gave a couple examples there, daily, Fridays. Is, is there a specific duration or frequency that you suggest people use? Well, I think that depends on a lot of variables. How long is this project going to be? You know, what are the milestones? Maybe break it up by milestones. How much personal responsibility, you know, you can take, right? For some people, it's checking in once a month, right? For other people, it's like checking in every four hours. Although I don't do that with my clients. <laughs> <laughs> That could be, that would be quite challenging to respond Right. But to. I've definitely done daily where I get texts all day and night. I got clients all over the place and they're like sending me their sketches that they did or their blog post or their, you know, just like I'm doing it. Right. So it works. And in the coaching situation, what I always do is, you know, give the concept to the client. So, hey, Clint, here's the concept. And then, you know, I would either invite them to say, like, how about you do this every day? Does that sound right to you or not? Because the truth is, I, I don't know the truth. The, the client always knows the truth if they can quiet down, lose those distractions, open up their consciousness and, you know, understand what is good. You know, what's good for me is, you know, texting you every Saturday at noon. Okay, great. I had no idea why. I, you know, I don't know, and I don't even need to know. Mm-hmm. And so, h- how easy is it to get? Because it's a very important concept you raised right there. Is that they already know the truth? How easy is it to get them to realize that piece of the puzzle? Well, sometimes it's very easy, and sometimes it's very difficult. It depends who the person is and how, you know, what's going on in their psychology. Mm -hmm. So as a coach, you know, I work on two levels. One is what I call the outer world, which is how can we make better systems for you? How can we, you know, replace a crappy habit with what I call a superstar habit? You know, things like that. And then the inner world is the psychology that drives us. Okay, so almost everything, if not everything that we that we consciously believe, do, react to, etc., is driven by something subconscious somewhere within us. And if these things are, you know, and these things are built into us in when we're kids, these are generally um, beliefs about the world or identities about ourselves. Okay, between those two things, that covers a whole lot of territory. So if these things are positive and useful, that's great. Hey, I believe I'm a smart, charismatic guy who can do anything. 
okay, that's a good inner world to start working with. If the inner world is saying, when things get hard, I, I just quit, right? A lot of people have that one running. So we got to go in there and, you know, sort of work on the psychology of what's happening there, dismantle that and, you know, get some new pathways going in the brain so that both the inner world and the outer world are aligned. And that's when you're going to start to see some real progress. That makes a ton of sense. One of the most often quoted lines on the show is, until you make the unconscious conscious, you will be led by it and call it fate by Carl Jung. So it absolutely makes sense that you want to attack that underlying unconscious belief. And you talked a bit about meditating. One of the things that you said that I found very powerful was your statement around how from the present moment, we can influence the future. Can you walk our listeners through how they can do that, which was through your future self exercise? Okay, so, you know, on the on the sort of street level of this, it's pretty obvious, but people still somehow miss it. And that is in the present moment is where all of the action is right? The past already happened and you're never actually going to get to the future. It's all, the future becomes the present, right? At least in the, the way our brains work, but we never actually go to the future, right? The future kind of comes to us. So if that's true, which it is, the only way to change the future is to act in the present and it is always the present. So it is always time to act if you want to change your future. If you don't want to change your future, Keep doing the same thing you're going to do, you're doing, and you're basically going to have a very similar life two years, five years, 20 years from now. And that's fine if that's, if you're all cool with everything in life, but haven't met anyone like that. <laughs> <laughs> it would be nice to. Yeah. <laughs> it would be nice to, exactly. With the exercise that you are describing in my book, it's, I do these guided meditations with clients. That's also in the book there. And it's basically, you know, first you get into that meditative state because that's always key. If your brain is going too fast, it's not going to work. You have to drop into your body, into your heart. From there, we kind of take a time machine to a version, a future version of yourself or someone who's like you, but who's not you and see what they have done to get to this ideal state whether it's, you know, it's a new job or you start a business or you're pursuing whatever dream it is, right? Because all potentialities exist, right? For you and for everybody and for the world. So if you can deeply tap in, not through your brain, but through your consciousness, right? The mind, heart, and body into, wow, here's a successful version of what I want. You will then be able to clearly see well, geez, what did this person do to go from where I'm at to where they're at? They studied something. They went to school. They practiced every day. They got new friends. They got a mentor. They bought the equipment that they needed and did it every Sunday afternoon. You know, I don't know, but they do, <laughs> right? And there's plenty of things that I can tell people, you know, here's smarter ways to do this and that. You might want to consider it, you know, X, Y, Z. But the truth is, once again, Everybody knows their own truth. So if they can get into that space and access that, then they have the blueprint. Then they have to do the thing. Like having the blueprint's great, but you still don't have the house. Well, that's that's the incredible part, right? And so you're you're really 
aligning with how I tend to think about life is what do you want? Figure that out, have a plan to get there. And then the part that often gets forgotten is do the work. And when you talk about doing the work, you have a, a methodology and a way to do it where you say, effectively, you're going fail fast because the faster you fail, the faster you learn, which means the faster you succeed. I loved that concept. Can you dig in a little deeper on what you mean by it for the listeners? To, because they might be hearing fail and think, well, why would I want to fail? Exactly. There's an end goal there. There definitely is. So before I get into that, um, I would like to drop another quote here. And I don't know who this one is from, but this speaks to your point, which is between concept and execution, there is a land of shadow, right? Which is also what's one of my favorites. Another one, which is when all is said and done, generally a lot more is said than done. <laughs> <laughs> oh, these are... I'm going to I'm going to listen back and these are going to become some of the tweets that I used to That's right. Tweet promote it out, the man. promote the episode, Jeff. I love it. <laughs> exactly. So, failure. Why do you want to fail fast? Well, the first thing is, you know, let's look at the word failure. Failure is a loaded word. When people hear that, they're like, "Oh, you know, stab in the heart. They're, you know, they failed." But that is the wrong definition and the wrong reaction to that word, right? Words have a lot of power. So I'm going to change the word failure to feedback, okay? So if you set an intention, you do the work, and you do not reach your desired goal, instead of calling it failure, let's call it feedback. When you get feedback, what happens? You learn something, okay? So from there... You know, you get your feedback, you go towards your goal, you don't get it. This is, again, the time to be curious. Ask every question from every direction that you possibly can think of, and you're going to get all kinds of information. What worked, what didn't work, etc., etc. Great. Take a breath. Do the thing again with your new information. What's going to happen? You're going to succeed. Ta-da! Hallelujah. Or you're going to get more feedback. Right. You know, so like one of the classic stories on that is, you know, Edison, I don't know how many designs he had for the light bulb, 1500, you know, experiments on the light bulb until he finally hit it. Oops. Now we hit it. This thing works. We're going to make billions over the next, you know, century or whatever. Mm -hmm. So it takes time and you need feedback. And basically every successful person in the world has understands this almost in some ways goes for the failure, right? Because that makes them stronger. It makes them get closer to the goal, closer to narrowing the thing in to get, you know, more laser focused into the most effective way or product or whatever the thing is. Now, the successful people, you have a great point. The successful people aren't afraid of that failure because they recognize it as feedback that will allow them to then be successful in the future. On the other hand, the average person is very afraid of failure. And often, Jeff, that won't even allow them to start. And one of the things you talk about, and I firmly believe, is that we can often be our own worst enemy. 
in that fear of failure, that fear of not being good enough, effectively self-limiting beliefs. So how do you see a lot of your clients, a lot of people being their own worst enemy? And how do you work with them to shut off that inner voice that's stopping them from getting to where they need to and being afraid of failing? Right. Great question. So the first piece of this is, you know, the reframe. So what is reframe? It's simply having a different perspective. Okay. If you are scared, if you're afraid, avoidant of failure, it's because something happened in your past where, you know, you failed and you caught a lot of shit for it. Your parents screamed at you. You were embarrassed in the classroom, you know, whatever, any of these kinds of things. So you make this decision in your mind that says, avoid trying anything that I might fail at. You know, it's like a robot. We're basically a bunch of robots. So if that is where you're at, you are then, you know, going to constantly avoid putting yourself in these positions. So the big thing is let's reframe. So first of all, the conscious part of this is like, oh, it's not failure, it's feedback. I can get that. I mean, you know, a freaking fifth grader can get that, right? <laughs> so you ought to be able to understand that. The, but understanding intellectually, again, is only part of how we operate. The subconscious and the heart energy is another piece of this, which can, you know, can be, can stop us from moving forward, right? That fear. So what do we do? We check out the comfort zone. What is our comfort zone? Okay, everybody's got it. And in ways, comfort zone is great because guess what? You're comfortable there. That's fine. But when you're in the comfort zone, you're not growing. That's kind of part of the deal. You're just comfortable, <laughs> right? So it's okay to be in the comfort zone, but not okay to be in it for too long if you want to grow in any way. So what do you do? You find something that is outside of your comfort zone. And I'm not talking about 30 miles outside of your comfort zone. I'm talking about six inches outside of your comfort zone. Okay, something with low stakes, something that is just uncomfortable, <laughs> right? And then you do it, whatever that thing is. And here's the deal. You do it and you stand there with it, whatever this thing is, and you experience the discomfort. Just experience it. It's not going to kill you, right? If it's six inches out of your comfort zone, it is not going to kill you. It's not going to wreck you financially. It is not going to destroy your social world. None of these things. So you stand outside of your comfort zone and you breathe and you feel that discomfort and eventually it is going to subside. And guess what? When it does, that will indicate that the comfort zone has expanded to match you, mm. right? And this is this is a huge deal because this means you've just expanded as a person, whether it's emotionally or creatively or in business or whatever your thing is, right? You're just expanding as a person. Great. So now I'm six, my comfort zone is six inches bigger. Do it again. Do it again. And then later, maybe you want to take, a, you know, three feet outside your comfort zone because geez, you're getting some confidence now. And by the way, confidence is not built by succeeding, contrary to popular belief. Confidence is built by doing the thing, continuing to do the thing 
that you failed at. So not by the result, by the action itself. By the process, exactly. So the fact that I continue to take action day in, day out, towards the goal, whether it's success or not, I continue to take action. I continue to follow the process. And it's that process that allows me to build the confidence in myself. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And And that confidence will eventually get you to your goal. Absolutely. And Jeff, something you said there, it was, I've heard this from someone else who talks about getting things done is effectively learning to be comfortable being uncomfortable because you have to rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat to get to eventually, hopefully the end goal, whether it's there or not, you're working through the process. But if you want to be successful, you're always effectively going to be uncomfortable. Is that reasonable? I wouldn't say you're always going to be uncomfortable, but you will be uncomfortable enough that you know it. Gotcha. Okay. And part of that comes down to the choices that you make. And so you're saying choose to be uncomfortable. Take a step six inches out, maybe three feet. You feel that our life is always the result of our choices. How can our listeners use that thinking and we can unpack it for them to drive forward in life versus remaining stagnant? So I'm not sure I quite understand the question. Can you hit me with that again, please? The One of the statements you write is that our life is always the result of our choices. Mm -hmm. How do the users take that thinking to move ahead in life? Okay, so if our choices are going to create different results in our life and thus change our life, the question then comes to what are the decisions we're making? Why are we making them? And are we even conscious of them? So I am very big on the consciousness aspect of this whole thing, right? Because just like, just like your young quote, if you're not conscious of what is driving you, the same things are just going to keep happening, right? So the more conscious you are, the more you can put intention into your choices, have the courage to take action on those choices, and then you will see the results of those choices. It's not that difficult, the concept. That doesn't mean it's not difficult to do, right? Because if you're locked in, you know, patterns of thinking and decision making, you know, for, for you know, 45 years in a row, and then suddenly it's like, hey, why don't you do the exact opposite of that? That's hard, but that's where the growth is. Yeah, it's one of those ones, Jeff, one of my favorite sayings that I heard a year or two ago that just really sticks with me for a lot of this stuff we're talking about. It's simple. It isn't easy, but it's really simple. Right. It's like a lot of things in, in life. It's like, you know, how do you have a good relationship? Love your partner. Duh. You know, <laughs> right? Is it that difficult? Sometimes it is, right? Yeah. But the concept isn't. The, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of the video. There's a, I think it's the video is called the fat smoker and it was a smoker who was overweight and he quit smoking and he got in shape and he starts in his video. He says, a lot of people think 
it's really, really difficult. I'll boil it down. Eat less, exercise more. It's really, really simple. It isn't right. easy, but it's right. So I always, uh, you know, I never forget that video because everything in life, we, we tend to like to overcomplicate it. So before we get to open-ended, I, I want to just read two of your quotes that really resonated with me, and then we can unpack them and dive into some things that are, are really firing you up right now, Jeff. And the first one was, if it is genuine and authentic, it doesn't really matter if you achieve your goal or not, because you truly love the process. And the second one, which is on the page right beside it, was when you create with truth, the universe knows it and will give you back something valuable. Do you want to unpack those two for our readers and sure think through what you were meaning when you wrote that? Sure. So in our modern culture, <clears throat> we're somehow indoctrinated into this concept that the product, like the goal, is the most important thing. However, many people will find that if they get to the goal that, you know, they held up on high, they're not all that thrilled with it once they get it anyway, right? I mean, you hear these stories with celebrities. Oh, you know, I'm the biggest star in the world and I'm miserable. You're like, oh, mm -hmm. really? Seems odd, but I get it. So you got that kind of thing. Thus, the process, doing the thing to get towards your goal, if you truly love that, and again, like we were talking about earlier, if we're aligned with our truth and all this and that, the joy is in the doing, not the attaining. Okay, we all want some feedback, some positive, you know, successes and things like that. So that's definitely part of it too. But it's really the balance, right? If you you know, if you hate your job every single day of your life, is that really worth the paycheck? <laughs> I mean, I, I can't I can't see it, right? Whereas, you know, if you go to a job and you're like, oh, this is okay, or even better, this is great, then the paycheck is just like, yeah, sure, cool. And, you know, my story from that is, you know, when I was younger, I was a summer camp counselor in, in the Pocono Mountains of Pennsylvania, Camp Log and Twig. So... For two months, I would go out into the summer, I would go out into the woods and, you know, these crazy screaming kids all over the place, you know, for two months. And I loved it. I just loved it. It was so fun, you know, the wilderness and the, the kids and just playing around constantly. And then at the end of the summer, they would give me a check and I literally couldn't believe it. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting like, paid to have fun. I'm getting paid for this. Really amazing. So, you know, that was one of my early experiences where I'm like, this is the kind of work, you know, not the summer camp, but this is the conceptually kind of work that I want. I want to do things. I mean, I get the same thing with coaching, really, and teaching, uh, you know, the students at, at the college. I'm like, this is great. Like, literally, if I had millions of dollars in the bank, I would still do this for free. I don't. So I still have to get paid. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. You, you really highlighted something right there, though. And in, in Jeff, when you said trying to find your passions, ask questions, that right there is a beautiful question for finding your passion. If I had millions of dollars in the bank and I didn't have to do anything, what would I still want to be doing? Because then you're definitely, definitely passionate about it. 
Exactly. So I think when a lot of people hear that question, they're like, oh, I just want to lay around and travel. You're like, okay, lay around and travel for a year or two, then what? Right? Like you're not going to go another 30 years laying around. Right? It, if you do, you'll be a disaster of a human. The You really nailed it with that one. In uh, I'm part of a, a men's work group and, and the founder, that's that's one of the ways he's edited that question. He said, okay, let's assume you have millions of dollars in the bank and you've gotten all of your travel and all of your leisure out of the way. Now you have to do something. What is that something you want to do? So it's a great, great little addition to it. Because I think some people just initially, they say, well, I just want to rest. I'm tired. I'd like a year or two of, okay, well, you've had that. Now what do you want to do? And when you create with the truth, the universe knows it and will give you back something valuable. What do you mean by that? Okay. How weird can I get on your podcast? You can get very weird. Oh, good. Okay, great. Yeah. So there's the physical world, which we generally think we operate in. And then there's the metaphysical world, right? And that's the energy that's surrounding us and things we can't see and science can't prove and stuff like that. It's been my experience that when you put directed energy out into the world that is aligned with your truth, you know, the kind of stuff we're talking about here, that the universe in some synchronistic way that you cannot control, cannot understand, call it magic, call it whatever you want, will give you something to move you forward on that path. Now, Let's just say that this is not always and even oftentimes what you think it's going to be. Okay. When I was younger, I wanted to be a rock star, rock star, Madison Square Garden, touring the world, you know, all that. I somehow through this kind of process got this job, you know, teaching songwriting. I never even knew that was a job. I never even thought of it. Right. And I am so grateful for this gig. I get to hang around with college students help them tap into their truth, their creativity, and express it. Like, oh my God, right? That's the universe giving that to me. Didn't get to be a rock star, but I got to do this. And I, I know it's aligned and, and I know it's connected in some ways. It's, it's kind of like what our friend Mick Jagger used to say. You can't always get what you want, but you try sometimes to get what you need. I love it. That's a great, great answer to that question. Jeff, I know we, we booked in for 45 minutes and we're coming up to the end. So I, I want to check in with you. What haven't we covered from not effing around or just in general that you want to say to the listeners? Yeah. Well, I would say that, you know, speaking, I'll speak in terms of creativity, but it's really anything that we're talking about with your dreams, right? And that is at its best, creativity is a way for us to be seen, expressed, healed, and connected, okay? When we, when we have the focus and the authenticity and the courage to step in to our dreams, whether that's business or health or, you know, a creative thing or whatever it is, right? That we will be seen because we are being expressed Okay, there is always a sense of healing because healing is really just a defragmentation, you know, something coming together into a cohesive whole, right? If you've never followed your dreams or your truth before, believe me, you're going to be healed in a way by following your dreams. When you do this, you give this gift to the world, 
whatever this thing is, and the world, that's when you become the gift because the world sees that, wow, if this guy did it, if this lady did it, I can do it too. And it connects the world. And then it, I believe it helps us heal the freaking world. And that may be a grand statement, but I'm standing by it. <laughs> Love it, Jeff. Thank you. And where can our listeners find you? Yes, jefflizowitz.com. If you can spell that anywhere near correctly, you'll probably find me or hopefully Clint will put that. You can put that on your... I'll have that in the show notes, you bet. With a So we'll have a link to your website. We'll have a link to your book. Beautiful. Yes, you can buy the book on Amazon. And I do 15-minute complimentary sessions on Zoom with anybody, whether it's artist, solopreneur type, you know, creative, whatever the thing is to see how I can help you step it up and, you know, move it forward because we all need help. And Lord knows I've had plenty along the way. So I'm here to help you guys. That's basically what, what my mission is. Excellent, Jeff. Thank you very much for joining me. And yeah, everyone have a read and you're going to learn a fair bit about everything we just talked about and more. That was the teaser for what you'll see in Not Effing Around. Excellent. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on The Pursuit of Learning. Make sure to hit the subscribe button and head over to our website, thepursuitoflearning.com, where you will find our show notes, transcripts, and more. If you like what you see, sign up for our mailing list. Until next time, your host in learning, Clint Murphy. Clint Murphy.